dribble it out. Shot clock is off, and those in attendance that stayed rises one at the Vivid Arena in Salt Lake City. The Jazz were outstanding at home a season ago, and they begin the 21-22 campaign with a resounding home court win tonight over the Thunder by a 107-86 count, a game in which they led the vast majority of it by as much as 26 points. That was Matt Penso of WWLS, Oklahoma City Thunder Radio Network, calling the final seconds of the season opener. Today, we discuss the play of the Oklahoma City Thunder with this new look roster. We're joined by Thunder beat writer Joe Musato, who traveled to Utah to see the Thunder game in person. Among the many highlights and milestones for this young OKC team, Joe will give his insight and bold predictions on the progress of the Thunder Review. Here's what he saw. I'm James D. Jackson, and this is the Oklahoma Sports Insider. So, Joe, it was game one for the Thunder, our first chance to see the new roster in a competitive game. We got a few highlights from some of the Thunder returners. Drives and kicks, right flank to Baisley, covered up by Bogdanovich, five to shoot. Burrow's baseline, dunks over the top, and he's fouled to boot by Whiteside. Big time two-hand assault to the cup by Baisley as he posterizes Whiteside en route to the N1. But how did the new Thunder draft picks perform? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was actually a pretty good debut for the rookies. Those guys, all three of them, you know, I was pleased with. They went out there and competed. They didn't. Um, they didn't look overwhelmed at all. Um, Josh Giddy had a fairly quiet game. I think there was a lot of murmurs on Thunder Twitter that he wasn't playing on the ball as much as as much as he should be, and and things like that. But my response to that is, it's one game. It was literally his first NBA game. These <laughs> things will take time, but. I was sort of watching how he fit alongside Shea Gilders-Alexander. I was watching um, to see what that backup guard rotation would look like with Trey Mann and Teo Maladone and Ty Jerome. But um, just getting back to the rookies, Giddy was okay. Um, he rebounded really well, 10 rebounds. I think that's something that, you know, he's, he's going to be flirting with triple doubles fairly often, I think. Josh Giddy fed the ball. High the back dribbles, can't shake Oni. Off the left side to Roby. A step down the lane, elevates and thumps a big right-hand whirling dunk. Statue of Liberty slammed by Roby was spectacular, and Isaiah. Um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl looks like he's got a pretty smooth jump shot. He had a couple of threes there in the fourth quarter. And then Trey Mann, his shiftiness is for real. Like, he can create his own shot. He can get to a step back. I think it's going to be a really up-and-down season for him just because when you shoot the ball that much as as a rookie, some nights it's going to go in, some nights it's not. But overall, I think they're pretty happy with the rookies um, just one day in. Mm -hmm. And Trey Mann seemed a lot more comfortable on the floor this time around. He had a shaky summer league, but in the season opener, he had a few shots fall for him. His entire play looked better, right? Yeah, and they believe in him because, well, let me take that back. I I mean, I think they believe in him because they drafted him, but he's, at this point, I I think it would be hard to argue he's more ready to play in an NBA game than Ty Jerome or Teo Maladone, two guys with more experience that had their moments last year. Um, But instead of those guys, it was Trey Mann who was the first guard off the bench, and I think that was sort of like a signal to him um, a trust factor they want to instill confidence in him Trey early you know to get him out there with our starters um, 
it allows us to get Josh back in early and then play Teo deeper into the um, second and fourth. Um, but yeah, he, he shot the ball well. He's a guy that is totally fearless um, for, for good or for bad. I'm, I'm not sure how he projects on the defensive end yet. I'm not sure how he projects as a playmaker. Um, but when you look at what he would be, what he could become, I, I think it's, um, you could look at the jazz, like Jordan Clarkson is sort of that guy for the jazz, obviously way further on in his career, but a spark plug off the bench, a guy who can come in and instantly score 20 points. Um, Jordan Clarkson was sixth man of the year last year. And I think, you know, I don't want to put a ceiling on, on anyone, but like if you're looking at a positive outcome, perhaps for Trey Mann, I think it's that sort of player. Oh yeah, we're all we're all here for those type of predictions, Joe. I hope I hope we can visit this later and and see where you are a couple of years from now. Yeah, no, he's probably going to be like out of the league in two years, and I'll be like, yeah, remember when I said he's going to be Jordan Clarkson? <laughs> but let I mean, let's talk about the sophomores as well. I mean, Teo and and the guy who always seems to pop up in our our talks is uh, Poku. How, I mean, just how do they perform out there? How do they look in their first game back this season? Well, I'll start with Poku because, like you said, we always we always have to talk about <laughs> Poku. Um, it was it was okay. I mean, it was just a quiet night. He didn't do much. I think it was 0 of 2. Both were threes. Crossing the timeline with three. Down the lane, Baisley with two to the rim. Scoops and scores at the buzzer with a right-hand delivery. Well done by the Thunder in transition. An end-to-end excursion. Set up by Poku with his third assist, and Baisley in doubles now with 10. I, I don't know. I mean, this is this is going to be a year for Poku where I, I think after as bad as he was is in his rookie season, there's still a ton of hype behind him, and rightfully so. He's just got the body and the skill set that very, very few players in the world have. But he's so far away from putting that together into something that's going to be productive. So it's not going to be this thing where, like, Poku is all of a sudden a year two breakout. Like, I don't expect that. I, mm-hmm. I think his progression, um, if he does progress, is going to be quite gradual. It's going to be still one, two, three years down the line. I, I don't think this is going to be, like, an instant thing with him. And Maladone is sort of the opposite, in a sense. Like, he's he was more NBA-ready last season. Now his offensive numbers weren't great, but he looked competent handling the ball. He played the most minutes on an NBA team last season, which is something as a 19-year-old rookie. Um, and, and I think it's going to be more of the same for him. He's that guy who can, that backup point guard who can handle minutes, who can set up the offense. Um, he doesn't have star potential, but he's a steady guy, and, and I think that's kind of where he is right now. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the newly acquired Derek Favors. We weren't 100% sure on who was going to start at the center position coming into the season. And Derek Favors got the nod in his return to Utah over guys like Roby and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Why did Coach Dagnall go with Favors? It's actually a kind of a cool story. Shea retreats to midcourt. Bucking left wing, back of a pick by Favors. Feeds Derek in the lane for a floating six-footer that goes. So Favors has his first bucket. It comes with 4.55 left in the second in his return to Salt Lake City and has the Thunder within 14 at 49.35. Derek Favors might have started um, in the season opener no matter where they opened, but opening the season in Salt Lake City against the Jazz, whom Derek Favors played 10 years for, um, mm-hmm. was was the primary reason favor started it was almost like 
a, a way to honor him, to respect him, and to give the Jazz fans a treat for a player that that they really liked. He's you know obviously a beloved player here and I think the feeling's mutual you know he, he really enjoyed his time here and that was that was one of the things that surprised me the most being in the arena was you know not being around the jazz day to day I didn't realize the impact that Derek Favors had there because you know so, he was a starter for a good long while but most recently he's just been a backup to Rudy Gobert at center mm-hmm. but he was like a fan favorite there he was beloved I was just hoping I didn't get emotional you know because I've been here for so long and you know, the fans always showed me love. Um, seeing the teammates, seeing coaches, it, it was tough. Quinn Snyder um, and him are like close friends. Their kids are close friends. So there, there's still a lot of relationships there. And Mark Degnault realized that. And Derek Favors was very honest after the game. And he was like, yeah, selfishly, it meant something to me to start this game. I don't care if I start. You know, I understand the situation. And um, I'm going to be supportive of my teammates and, you know, supportive of you know, his decisions, you know, if you want to start me or not. But um, like I say, just overall, just for my personal selfish reasons, yeah, I want to start. Starting this game meant something. And, I mean, if you're the Thunder, like, you're not going to beat the Jazz anyway. And I'm not saying Derek Favors <laughs> doesn't give you your best chance to win, but, like, it's it just made sense to do that. Like, Derek Favors um, earned that. There's not many veterans on this team um, but I think that, you know, Favors is making a sacrifice by being in Oklahoma City. It's not an ideal situation for him. Um, but it was very cool how he was honored in Utah. And at the first quarter break, um, they had a little tribute video to him, which, again, I was not expecting. And it, he, he got a standing ovation. So it was really cool. Oh, wow. Again, with tribute video as well. That's yeah, that's pretty. I know it was I I, I sort of underplayed the Derek Favors return game um, leading up. I didn't even write about it. So I had to (laughs) focus on that quite a bit in the takeaways. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, Joe, there was a glaring deficiency in the Thunder's defense yesterday as the team tried to hold off seven foot one Rudy Gobert. How did OKC protect the painted area? Uh, Not well. That's the that's the short answer. And that's going to be the answer against any any team with, you know, just a semi-good big. I mean, Rudy Gobert is, is a great big in the league, um, but they're just so extremely undersized at that spot. I mean, Derek Favors is the biggest bodied guy as far as, like, weight, but he's 6'9", and then... When he's not out there, you have Isaiah Roby, who's pretty skinny. I mean, he's like muscly, but he's he's not super wide, and he's 6'8 as well. Then you have Mike Mascala, who um, obviously is a better fit to play outside than inside and, and is just a stretch five. And then you have Robinson Earl, who's another big-bodied guy, but he's undersized at 6'8 as well. So th- those are their options at center. And when one of those guys aren't playing the five, sometimes they move Darius Baisley to the five, um, and he's, you know, six seven and even skinnier. So they just don't have an answer for seven-footers or guys that are, um, you know, even even with less skill, like, like a guy like Steven mm-hmm. Adams, for example, who's never going to put up huge numbers. I think he'd be easy to record, like, 14 and 12 against the Thunder just because there's no one near his size um, that's going to be on the floor. But yes, this is a problem for the Thunder, but it's really not a problem because 
Um, again, I always have to preface this by saying the guys on the floor aren't trying to lose games, but the organization wants the best draft picks possible. The way to do that is to lose games. And when you're building out a roster for the future, you don't really care if you're going to get abused down low or like you're not like, okay, who's going to play center for us? Because at this point, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And the the fans are a bit in hope for when Steven Adams returns and gives us 14 and 12 against this Thunder team. <laughs> He'll that, get a standing be... <laughs> ovation. Yeah. Another tribute video, a la Derek yeah, Favors. Yeah, favorite. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Joe, thanks for joining the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's always fun coming on. Thanks for having me again. We'll be right back. If you've enjoyed this podcast or Joe Masato's coverage of the Thunder, visit the Oklahoman's website and consider subscribing. Or download the app to get your news on the go. Also, we'd like to send a special thank you to WWLS Oklahoma City Thunder Radio Network for allowing us to use their radio calls on our podcast. It's very much appreciated. I'm James D. Jackson, and this has been the Oklahoman Sports Insider. We'll talk soon.